Father, this morning, by faith, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the church, over everyone who is present here, Lord. And I rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. The blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. Israel could come out of Egypt untouched because of the blood of the Passover lamb. If Rahab's house could be protected because of the strength of a crimson ribbon, how much more your children who are under the blood of God's only son, Lord. By faith, I plead the blood, the blood, the blood over everyone here and their homes, their house, O Lord. And we rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. And I speak peace and I speak comfort into every heart. Now I pray you would touch our hearts, our minds and our ears. Give us hearing ears. A mind that understands, a heart that believes, and above all, Lord, a will that is surrendered to you, Lord. Let all of us say, like your son, not our will, but thy will be done, O Lord. For there is peace and there is strength in that surrender, Lord. We surrender ourselves this morning into thy hands. Speak to us, O Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So it's not an anniversary message. There's nothing called an anniversary message. It is a message. Okay. We know we continue in the stream in which God is taking us and we continue to prepare. For 13 years, we've been preparing. God has been preparing. And if you had prepared yourself when things like this happen, you would not have been shaken. You would not have been in fear. You would not panic. And whatever happens, you would have the strength and the resilience of God to go through it, whatever happens. And that's the whole purpose. Until the Lord comes to take us, we prepare ourselves every day, every hour. So first, remember, we are living in the days the prophets prophesied about, warned us about, prepared us about. We are living in those days. I want you to turn first to Luke 21. And verse 7 and 9. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? Meaning the end coming. Okay. And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he. The time has drawn near. Therefore do not go after them. Verse 9. But when you hear wars of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. For these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Okay, the title of today's message is How to Live Without Fear. Living without fear in difficult times. We are living, accept the fact, we are living in difficult times. There is this, this, it's not the pandemic, it's more than the pandemic, it's the spirit of fear that's over people. Both Christians and non-Christians, irrespective of who you are. It is spirit over nations. But we should not be afraid because we are already forewarned how things will play out at the end. These are things. If you had noticed at the two verses 8 and 9, in verse 8 he says, what are the signs? See, everybody wants to know the signs. But more than the signs is that it's no point knowing the signs without knowing how to withstand it, how to come through it as an overcomer. The first thing he says is, beware of deception. Now, in our list, that wouldn't be first. Our first would be Corona, earthquake, famine, war, no? nuclear attack. 
But that's not God. God said, don't worry about those things. The first thing is deception. Second thing is fear. If you look at verse 9, don't be afraid. Do not be terrified. Look, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid. First thing, do not be deceived. Because many will come and say, yeah, in the name of Jesus, and sell you a gospel which will not hold you when difficult times comes. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. What you have believed, if it is true, it doesn't matter how difficult day you are passing through, how hard times you are passing through. If you believe it is true, and if it is of God, you will be able to stand. When the day of evil comes, the Bible says, stand. And after you have done everything, stand. So God has prepared us. God has told us everything in advance and it is our duty as pastors to teach you and it is all our duty to hear, to believe and to stand. So the first thing is deception. Guard your heart from deception. Second thing is guard your heart from fear because fear is a spirit. There is a good fear. There are a lot of things we should be afraid of. Okay, When you are coming on the road, if another car was coming directly against you, you turn to the left. It's a good fear. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. There are lots of things which are good. A lot of things, fears which are good. Okay? But we are not talking about that. We are talking about irrational fear which overpowers you, overpowers you, which controls your thinking. That your actions are now being determined, not by reason, not by the word of God. You are not being actually being led by the word of God or the spirit of God. Your actions are determined by fear. The fear has taken control. And that's what we are talking about. That is not of God. That is of the devil. And the devil is a spirit. It is the spirit of fear. Two things, the spirit, the devil is a deceiver. He's a deceiver. And God said, do not be deceived. Secondly, he intimidates people and controls people through fear while the spirit of God gives us liberty. Even in the face of death, he gives us liberty. Even when we die, we die in peace. We don't die in fear or terror. So remember the difference. If you come to verse 25 and 28, the word of God says, there will be signs in the sun and in the moon, meaning in the heavens and in the stars, on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. Sea and the waves. So there is confusion in the heavens, like 24th was the final blood moon for this year. People are watching things now. All kinds of things are happening. The U.S. has finally declassified and they have put 144 sightings of the UFO with the pictures and the videos. Unidentified flying objects over the years. Okay. Aliens. They have to sell these aliens because when rapture takes place, they have no other explanation. They will say the bad left when actually the good left. Okay? So please remember, Things are happening in the heavens and things are happening on earth. Yeah. Uh, verse, verse, let's look at verse 25 first. Yeah. And uh, with the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity and the sea and the waves roaring. And what happens on verse 26? Men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and with glory. So the Bible says, you know what? What is this? These are all the harbingers of Jesus coming. Like a That's why I don't like the effect of the corona, but I like the corona. I don't like what it does to people. Of course not. 
but it is a sign. It should excite us. The things which he said is falling into place. It is all falling into place. Because the Bible says when these things happen, lift up your heads for your redemption draweth near. So if you look up over there, you will see in Luke chapter 13 again, verse 31 and 30. We are looking specifically at the things which Jesus said about what he does. He said, on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here for Herod wants to kill you. Okay, Meaning Herod represents the political powers, the rulers of this world. He wants to destroy you. Listen to Jesus' answer. He said, go tell that fox. Most politicians are cunning, very cunning. They're cunning. They will say once to the people, like the forward we got recently, right? Once to the people, another thing they do. They're very cunning. Politicians, they're only interested in power. There are hardly any politicians who look out for the goodwill of the people. Hardly anybody. I do not know. Do you know any leader like that? The only leader in India who still stays, who is the chief minister of a state, and who still stays in her own old residence, and still doesn't take a salary, lives off the royalties of her books, is Mamta Banerjee. She doesn't stay in government accommodation. She doesn't take a salary. Okay, so there are few here and there. President Trump was another one, one dollar. He's a one dollar man. We have to call you one dollar. Wouldn't take a salary. Okay, very few. Very few. But most of them are like foxes. Very cunning, very shrewd. But what is God saying? When you are intimidated by the system, what is the response of the church? Is the response of the head. What does he say? Go and tell that fox, behold I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. He says, you know what? My work is the first day and the second day. I cast out demons and I will cure people. And on the third day, first day is the first thousand years. Peter tells us a day for the Lord is like a thousand years. First thousand years, second thousand years is almost over. It is over, almost over. On the third day, the church will be perfected. We'll be out of these miserable bodies. It doesn't matter how good you feel when you are young, the body is still miserable. And one day you will feel miserable. So I can share some of my misery with you now. Okay? But in a twinkling of an eye, that is one forty second part of a second. It's exactly what the Bible says. In a twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. We will be transformed. So we are looking to that day. We are looking to this. So if you are young and if you look good, don't be too happy. You won't look too good for too long. The third day is here. The third day is here. On the third day, I shall be perfected. If you look at the last verses in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 39 and 40. 11, 39 and 40. And having all, all, and all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Right? God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. For 2,000 years, or let us say from the believers for 6,000 years, who have died and gone before us, they're still waiting. Because they are not going to get their bodies until the last man makes it in. Until the church is raptured, they are not. So they are souls in the presence of God if they are saved, waiting for their bodies. And who is delaying them? We are delivering. They're saying, no, they are saying. Okay, the parents who went earlier are saying, come on children, get your act together, we are waiting. 
We need our bodies. And your bodies look terrible. When we were there with you, we pampered your bodies and we thought how cute you look. Now in this realm, we see your bodies are terrible. Terrible. Something unimaginable is coming. Okay? So they will be perfected only with us. So that is the day of perfection, the third day. So, going back to the warning. If you go back to the warning, you will see Jesus wants, Jesus wants, the first is deception. And the second is fear. From the beginning, that's in the Garden of Eden, you will see in chapter 3, you don't have to go there, the devil comes and deceives. He deceives. 24-7, he's in the business of deception. He controls the media, he controls the world systems, and he deceives. He doesn't deceive you 100% by telling you a lie which is 100%. He mixes truth and lie. It doesn't matter. If it is not 100% true, it is a lie. That's the nature of the lie. True is true only if it is true 100%. But a lie is a lie even if it is 99% true. Because in him, that's about Jesus, God, there is no darkness. He is absolute light. In his truth, there is no lie. For God cannot lie because he is not a man. So understand that. On the one side, the world is preparing. What are they preparing for? The Antichrist. And what is the church supposed to prepare for? Not neat. Not MSET. It's supposed to be preparing for the coming of the Lord. That is our preparation. We are preparing for our Lord to come. The bride is preparing for the bridegroom to come. So I do not know, honestly, how much time there is left. There are so many men of God who actually say the Antichrist is born and is alive on earth waiting to be manifested. They said he's, he's already in. He's already in. The Antichrist will be exact antithesis of Christ. Christ came in the body, so the Antichrist also will come in the body. And Satan will fill him completely. And Satan's age-old desire will be fulfilled. He will receive the worship of men. And all will say, what a man. This is the man we wanted, not Christ. Okay? So there are people, lots of people who believe, because they are reading the signs and they say, we do believe we do not have much time left. He is somewhere growing or waiting to be revealed. Like for 30 years, no soul on earth knew the Son of Man, Son of God was on earth. Until John pointed out him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Nobody had any clue. So how will we know the Antichrist is not already there until he is revealed? Until he is revealed. So look at prophetic times, and even as you work hard and study hard, what you should work hard at is preparing for the Lord's coming. Four times John uses the term Antichrist in his first epistle and second epistle. In 1 John 2 verse 18, this is what he says. Yeah. Little children, it is the last hour. When did he say that? 2,000 years ago. A day is like a thousand years. An hour. We are coming to the last hour. These are prophetic words. John is not writing for his generation. John is writing for his last day's generation. This is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. The big guy is coming. There were many. The spirit of Antichrist was always there for thousands of years. But the big guy, the capital A, is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. By which we know that it is the last hour. He's coming. 
is coming. You know, the term Antichrist means the one, anti means to oppose and to replace Christ. First he opposes, opposes, then he replaces. And how he does it is very subtly. God has said something and he will oppose it in your mind. And after some time, you will disregard what God has taken out and replace it what the devil has done. And you don't even realize the mind is being set to receive the Antichrist. Yesterday, EU, in their one of their declarations, one that one it's not been mean officially declared, but one of their papers, which as part of their declaration, they're going to declare in the EU, that is Europe, the old Christian nations, that abortion is a human right. Think about it. Do you think it's a human right? But most Christians in the Western world believe it's a human right. You know why? Because first they opposed, now it has been replaced. It's been replaced. You need to understand. And so many things in our heads. That is how when he comes, we will not be surprised if we don't battle this out in our minds. And the end times, the level of spiritual deception will be unprecedented. Unprecedented. Okay? Why, well, if we know this thing, we'll just deal with deception for a little while and then we'll go into the fear factor because we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared so that we are not deceived. And that's what Jesus said over, be not be deceived, be not be deceived, be not be deceived to every generation. Okay. The first letter in the Bible was the book to the, the epistle to the Thessalonians, first and second Thessalonians. Why? Because they were very scared because they got a room, a rapture has taken place and they were left behind. So the first letter is not a book of Romans. The first letter is the letter to the Thessalonian church telling them rapture has not taken place. Paul is telling them, don't be afraid. Rapture has not taken place yet. But he writes very clearly in the letter how it will take place and what will happen before it takes place. So these are there in all the letters, but especially Thessalonians. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you. So it is about the coming of Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. Not he coming to us and sitting with us on earth, but he coming to us and we going to him. Okay? Get the language clear. Not to be too soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He said, don't be shaken. Let no one deceive you again, deceive you by any means, for that day will not come Unless the falling away comes first. What is falling away? The word is apostasy. Where does the falling away take place? It takes place here. You can be seated right in the church and have fallen away here. That you don't believe anymore. The word of God is the word of God. The word of God. And there is no substitute to it. There is nothing that can replace it. That anything that opposes the word of God is a lie and a deception. So apostasy comes first. The falling away. And comes and the man of sin is revealed and the son of perdition. As only when apostasy increases and it reaches its zenith, the man of sin. Another name for the antichrist. The son of perdition. Another name for the antichrist. He has got, if I am right, 32 different names in the Bible. And these are two of them. 
He's only called four times Antichrist. But he has many other names. The little horn, the beast that comes from the water. He's got many, many names. The son of sin. The man of sin. The son of perdition. So we need to be careful. And verse 4, what will he do? He first opposes. And then he replaces, exalts himself. First he opposes. Because if you don't oppose an idea, you cannot replace an idea. Don't oppose an idea, you cannot replace an idea. That's the way it is, you cannot. First you oppose the idea, then you replace the idea. I will show you simple. Everybody, think, dog, dog, dog. Dog, dog, dog. Okay, now for a minute. Now think cat, cat, cat. The minute you start thinking cat, you can't think dog. And you don't even realize how subtle it is. That is how subtle it is. That is another lesson. Okay, it's not psychology. We'll go to the word of God. Okay. He opposes. He replaces. And we see this happening everywhere. Everywhere. And it is so normal. You don't see this so much in the eastern nations which are not Christian nations. Because first the attacks in the Christian nations. If you look at the first two chapters of the Bible, the first two chapters of the Bible, and those are the fundamental chapters. Yesterday's meeting I was telling, the Bible has 66 books. And there are only four good chapters. The first two chapters where there is no sin, and the last two chapters when there is no more sin. In between, only trouble. First two chapters, very good. Man hasn't fallen. Last two chapters, we are in heaven with God. There is no more sin again. In between is full of trouble from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation 22, judgment, judgment, all being thrown into the lake of fire. It is terrible. But if you go to the first two chapters, God says he made man in his image. Oppose it with an idea called evolution first and then replace it and you got your marks. You didn't get your marks saying that God made you. You got your marks because you subscribe to the theory of evolution. Male and female, he made them. No, there are many genders up to Z. You can choose your danger, the gender dysphoria. Where is it all happening? And people have received it. And people are fighting for it. First, oppose the idea of only two genders. Then replace it with the idea there are many genders and fighting for that freedom. Sexuality, male and female, sexuality. No, marriage is between a man and a woman. Oppose it, replace it. You know where it is going. You do not realize. It's come to our country. There was a judge in the Chennai High Court who had a class how to be gender neutral in his thinking so that he can bring out his ruling. It's coming in. The courts will change it. If the government doesn't change it, the courts will do it. In America and all, it's the courts that did it. Okay, so you need to realize this. It is already happening. The Antichrist comes and opposes everything that God has done through his son Christ, spoken through his son Christ, and then he replaces it. And people are proud. In Christian nations, young people are proud. We are fighting for abortion rights. How is that a right? I thought it was a wrong. For gender rights. Gay rights. This is Pride Month. Three more days left. What is it to be proud about? 
What is so proud about? Okay. We feel sorry for them. We are not condemning them. But you, you are not even allowed anymore to oppose it. Oppose it. Okay. You go through that, you will realize how everything from the image of God to creation, to gender, to sexuality, to marriage. These are the foundations, Genesis 1 and 2. Everything has been opposed and everything is being replaced. Don't swallow it. You'll be surprised in the twinkling of an eye if you're left behind. And if you come to verse 6, 7 and 8. Now you know what is restraining that he may reveal in his own time. The Antichrist will be revealed, but not now. He's being restrained. The Antichrist is first in the form of ideas, then manifest as a person. Okay? All the prophets from Abel onwards prophesied about Jesus Christ. By faith, Abel offered the blood of the Lamb. They prophesied, 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 prophesied through different acts and words, and then Christ was manifested. In the same way, the Antichrist is being manifested through different ideas, 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 opposing, replacing, opposing, replacing, then at the appointed time, he will be revealed. But he is being restrained. He may be revealed in his own time, in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only, look at this word, he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Meaning, what is the clue? The clue is there. Before the Antichrist is revealed, the Holy Spirit will be revealed. Where is the Holy Spirit? In you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. If you are genuinely born again and saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Meaning when the Holy Spirit is revealed, the saved will be removed and the Antichrist will be revealed. So that is why we prepare people for that eventuality. Don't miss it. There is a preparation for that. Because Jesus said, you should be counted worthy for that. The Holy Spirit being removed. So who is restraining? If you look at it, who is restraining? Who is fighting for marriage for a man and a woman? It is the believing church. Who is fighting that only two gender? The believing church. Who is fighting for the life of the unborn babies? It is not any religion. It is the believing church. The believing church has been the only restraining force and the deceiving church on the other side fighting for that. And this is the restraining. And once the restrainer is removed, you can have what you want. Under the prince you are waiting for. Okay? So please remember, that is why the Bible is always warns, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, do not quench the Holy Spirit, do not lie to the Holy Spirit, do not resist the Holy Spirit. And the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the sin against the Father will be forgiven, the sin against the Son will be forgiven, but the sin against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, because if the Holy Spirit is offended and he leaves, then what is there to restrain? You from not falling and accepting every idea that is floating around. Be careful. We have to be warned. We need to beware. Okay? So the Antichrist will come. He will come. He's probably somewhere around being prepared, quietly being prepared, groomed to take over. So the doctrine of rapture is a doctrine. It's a true rapture. It's a Latin word meaning suddenly taken away. Okay? It is a secret taking away of the church. Before the rule of the Antichrist begins, the seven-year rule of the Antichrist, he's only given seven years. Before that begins, the last day's church, just before it will be taken. The others all who died, died, fell asleep in the Lord. 
Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 26 and 30. Jesus is talking about the last days when it happens. As it was in the days of Noah, so it also will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it was also in the days of the Lord. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. We are not looking into this. What does it basically say? Things were normal. When the rapture took place, people were not under lockdown. There was no lockdown. Things were normal. So that everybody is caught by surprise. Lot's time, everything was normal. Noah's time also, everything was normal. The problem was people did not know. When it came, it was too late to change your mind. That is how I said, twinkling of an eye. One part, you divide a second into 40 parts, twinkling of an eye is one part. How much time do you have to re- repent if you are given only one second? How much time do you have to put your life right if you are only given a fraction of a second? How much time do you have to put your life in order to be the bride of Jesus Christ if you are given only one second? You're not even given one second. So life is a preparation for that day. So when we see these things, our response should be different. Words 33 and 34. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. What does he mean? I will tell you in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other will be left. And words 35 too? Yeah, I didn't give you 35. Yeah. Two will be at the mill. Yeah. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. What does that mean? It doesn't matter which time zone you live in. You live in India, where it's day, or you are in America, where it is dark. When it takes, it will be instantaneous around. Two people in the bed. In a twinkling of an eye, one will disappear. Two people working. You can't even hold one's hand, it's gone. You could be in the same church. You could have attended the same church all your life. Sat next to each other all your life. And in the twinkle, if it were to happen here today, now, I don't know how many will be taken, how many will be left. There's a Hindi song. When that, when the last trumpet blows, Tum kaha hoga? Main kaha hoga? Where will you be? Where will I be? I'll give you the portion. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52. I'm breaking my record in 37 years. I never put the fan. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Meaning all will not die before the Lord comes. Sleeping, there's no death in the new covenant. You fall asleep in Christ and wake up there. We shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised up to incorruptible and we shall be changed. The dead will arise. Meaning they get their bodies. And those who are alive, will be changed. So there will be no time to prepare. You can prepare for NEET. Six months. You can prepare for MSET. JE for one year, two years. But you prepare for rapture all your life, every day. Because it will be absolutely sudden. Now turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. This is a mystery. 
Ask Pastor Vijay, he's a robotics engineer. He will tell you about time and uh, fifth dimension and all that. We won't understand it. We won't understand it. Meaning, though a person may have died a thousand years ago and you died today, actually everybody enters in together. Because the minute you die, there is no time. You're not constrained by time. Everybody goes in together. How it is, I do not know. When we go, God will explain it to us. This is what real science is. You got a degree for junk in college. Let me explain to you what real science is. This is not the law of Newton. This is the law of Christ. <laughs> Brother Bano was saying a joke when we came in. No, Somebody asked the student, do you know the law of Newton? He said, I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> But it is good to know the law of Christ, the law of the Spirit. It keeps you safe. Okay? So, look here. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. Three things. The Lord will shout, the voice of the archangel, and a trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise first. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So don't let anybody deny you that there is no rapture. But there's a whole set of people, very godly people, there's no rapture. Everybody has to go through tribulation. I will tell you why that doctrine can be absolutely wrong. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, what does the word say? Next word. Therefore, what is that? How do you comfort people if you say tribulation everybody has to go through? No, there is no rapture. You have to go through tribulation. How do you comfort people? cannot comfort people. <laughs> Brother, be comforted, okay? You will go through the tribulation. How can you comfort? The comfort is that if you are ready and if you are prepared, you don't have to go through tribulation. The Lord will come and take you before the Antichrist is revealed. And his reign begins. Comfort! That word is important. Comfort one another. Twice he says, comfort one another these with words. That you know, you can be prepared. Meaning, if you die before that, praise God. You fall asleep in Christ. But if you are the generation who is there when he is coming, comfort one another. Don't worry. You will see all these signs happening. Things going out of hand. Because you don't want to live under the Antichrist rule. Because that is when the wrath of God is released. You want to see a few snippets what happens in those seven years? Revelation 6, 8. One snippet. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And Hades followed him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. That is during the seven years. How much? Fourth. You know how much that is? Two billion people. Corona is nothing. How many? Two billion people. You want to live during those times? That is just one snippet. Just one snippet of what happens in those seven years. That is why it is called tribulation. That is why that time is called the wrath of the Lamb. Another snippet, 8-7. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown into the earth, and a third of the trees were burned, and all green grass was burned up. A third of the green covered, and all grass is gone. You're talking about this was the best summer in my memory in Hyderabad. It didn't cross 40. When this happens, what do you think the temperature is going to be like? 
verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became. Do you know how big the sea is? You need to take a flight, overseas flight. And all you see is water and water and water and water. And one third of the sea becomes blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. When there was complete lockdown, the only things that moved were the ships and the flights, not with passengers, with goods. One third of the ships are gone. A third of the creatures in the sea. All our seafood friends, that is also gone. I just gave you three. You have to read these chapters of what happens during tribulation. You know, once you read it, you will wake up and say, Lord, I want to prepare for rapture. Not capture. Lord, rapture. Prepare me, Lord. Prepare me. Blessed are those, O Lord, who died and fell asleep in you before the time of tribulation came. They are blessed. We think about those who died as being miserable. God says, no. Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of the righteous. Precious in the sight of the Lord. Okay? So we need to understand, this is not our appointment. You and I are not appointed to that. 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. That's why all the letters are basically preparing for rapture. Because nobody knew which generation would come. He refused to say that. He said, no man knows the day or the hour. So every generation, there was a remnant who lived their lives, including Paul. It's only towards the end he realizes, it is not my generation. They all understood. Every generation, there was a set of people who prepared themselves thinking, in our generation, God will come. If he comes any time of the day, any time of the hour, Lord, I am prepared. I am ready. My heart is not here. My heart is there. Yet I will occupy till the day you come. I will not be caught by surprise. I will not be caught by surprise. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 9 to 11. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Okay? That is why the churches in U.S. in so many states defied the orders of the government and said, we will meet, including John MacArthur, because he said, the word of God commands us, when you see the day approaching, don't stop gathering. You should gather more and more. And the edits were brought out, no gathering, social distancing, no singing, nothing. And they refused, and and they won the quiz in the Supreme Court. And one of the churches, the government had to give a million dollars as a recompense for the lawyer's fees. They won the case because they have a first amendment that is the right to worship. You cannot take it away. They have won the liberty. Okay, so you need to realize there is a set of people who will fight. We are not worried about corona. We are more concerned about rapture. That he said, how do you prepare? By gathering, by gathering together. And what? Encouraging each other. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Deal with the issues of the heart. Deal with the issues of life. Don't worry about your career. God will take care of it. Don't. Study hard, work hard, but your heart and mind should be that. He could come any moment, any hour. Prepare constantly for that. Luke 21, 36. Watch therefore and pray what? 
always that you may be counted what worthy to escape all these things what are these things what will happen during tribulation not the general persecution that has happened is still happening you're not talking tribulation is a completely different ball game altogether god says if he hadn't shortened that day nobody would survive that's how terrible it would be Therefore, watch therefore, pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. What does it mean? You're caught in the rapture. Watch always. What do you watch? Not the news, the word of God. There is news, which is bad news, and there is good news. Okay, People watch bad news most of the time, so they don't understand the good news. So when they read the good news, it doesn't sound good. You read good news most of the time and then watch the news for 10 minutes, you will understand news. That is all fake, it is all deception. It's all. There is a pandemic which is real. And there is this fear of pandemic which is false. And the fear of pandemic is worse than the pandemic. The fear of pandemic will kill more people than pandemic itself. That is what Jesus is saying. The fear, because of fear, men's heart will fail. All kinds of other diseases will come. And people will just die. People will die. That's what David says. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But thou art with me. It is not death what is dangerous. It is the fear of death that is it. Anybody who has gone through a surgery, including me, it was not surgery that was so difficult. It was the fear of surgery. Once you come through surgery, you are an expert. You are an expert. You say it's nothing. Nothing. I told Hepsi, nothing Hepsi, whatever you want, cut. Nothing. No big deal. Even pregnant moms said, so you know what, when I got my surgery, you know, I got an epidural. That's what they get. Because I am experienced, I know what an epidural is. So, no, no big deal. You see, but the fear of it is so terrible. It is so terrible. Okay, And you have to guard your heart from that. Protect yourself from the disease. That's a different thing. But guard your heart from the spirit of fear. Okay? That you can stand before. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew. Gospel Matthew. And that because of lawlessness. Does anybody believe the world is more lawless today than ever before? So you will not know the world is lawless unless you know the law of God. If you do not know the law of God, you will think this is the age of liberty. But if you know the law of God, you will realize this is the age of lawlessness. Because lawlessness will abound. The result is what? The hearts of many will grow cold. To whom? To God. Hearts will grow cold. And what happens? But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So he's not going through tribulation. He's not going through it. You have to endure till the minute. Count yourself worthy. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Like you prepare for your exams. More than that. Watch. And pray always. That's why Jesus never gave the day and the hour. So the first thing Jesus says is, watch out for what? Deception. Watch out for deception. And what is the only antidote to deception? Deception is not a tablet which you swallow. How does deception come? Because you swallowed a lie. Swallowed a lie. You believed in a lie. And you did not know it was true. Like we hear so many people caught. What were they? They've been getting fake COVID vaccines. Glucose. 
In India, in the middle of that, there are plenty of people to make money. 500 rupees only, COVID vaccine. What are they getting? Distilled water and glucose. Are you protected? You are protected if your mind disease was in your mind. I'm not saying you need vaccine. I'm not saying you shouldn't need vaccine. I am not taking it. All I can say is speak my, for myself. I am not taking the vaccine. I don't need the vaccine. A coward dies a thousand times. The brave only die once. Okay? But if you need it, take it. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, antidote to deception. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need I should write to you Okay, did I give you that? Yeah. Uh, it is not five. It's not five. Yeah, it's fine, fine. You have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the... Okay, so now we don't understand thief in the night because they don't come. Today what we have, it's like the cyber thief. One day you look balanced. Next day you look balanced, gone. How did they get in and take your money? You have no clue. Absolutely no clue. Cyber crime has like shot up during this lockdown. The actual loss they said is runs into billions and billions of dollars have been stolen from people's accounts. Because we do not watch our balance, we do not know the money is going. They are getting into senior citizens' accounts. Let us say you are very good, therefore you look balance 20,250 rupees. Next day you look, 20,150 rupees, you will doubt, was it 350 or 150? 200 rupees is gone. If you take 250 rupees from a million accounts, what does it become? 250 million rupees. You know how how much is being siphoned off by cyber crooks? And if you think they are not doing it, they hacked into America's systems. Your bank account is nothing for them. So don't keep much money in the bank. The thief will come in the day. The cyber thief will come day or night. The day of the Lord. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come. Meaning you are so cool. You are selling and buying, building, getting married, getting study, preparing. And suddenly it will come. Everything looks calm. Everything looks normal. And then what happens? And they shall not escape. They shall not escape. But look at the next verse. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. You're not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief. Don't walk in darkness. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. You are all sons of light and sons of the day and are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. Watch and be sober. There is a spiritual sobriety. And the entire purpose of the devil, while making Prime Video and what is Netflix, everything cheap, to dull your mind. You see, when you take all these things of the world into your mind, YouTube is full. Netflix is full. TV has 500 channels. I don't know how many hundred channels TV has. We do not know. You know why? Your sobriety of your mind goes. And you are not prepared. You don't even realize. You are not even aware. Let me ask you this question. Is a drunk man aware he's drunk? No, he thinks he's sober. Let me 
I can walk. Don't. Have you seen them? They will not allow you. They said, I can walk. I am very steady. Everybody sees he's not steady. But he thinks he is steady. But what happens? It is the drunkenness of the mind. You think you are sober. You think you are going to heaven. You think you are prepared. I think I am prepared. But God says you are not. Be sober. Be sober. Be sober. Be sober. We are children of light. Walk in the light. His word is light. The entrance of your word brings light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, you are the light of the world. The Bible says, God is light and there is no darkness in him. He who walks in the light has fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. We need to look at these things. Do I walk with God? Yesterday there was this question. No, there was this question about hearing from God. If you are walking in the light, you hear from God every day. Every day. Because if you are a child and he is the father, he speaks to you. Unless he is upset with you. Speaks to you. That's how you walk in the light. And therefore you do not fear. These are real practical things which we should do. And that is how we are prepared. Because the church is like keep telling through our online meetings, live streaming meetings. The church is a classroom. God is a teacher. The Bible is a textbook. And when Jesus walked on earth, he was called teacher. Rabbi. And most of his life, three and a half years, what he did was teach. You look at the miracles. No, what he did was teach. Miracles was an attestment. But what he did was teach. When the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And Jesus said, when you're anointed, the anointing will teach you all things. And Jesus' first words in the synagogue was, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me for what? To teach, to preach. The other things are secondary, to teach. So if you do not have an anointing, ask for that. Lord, teach me. Help me to understand. Because we cannot understand spiritual things if you walk in the flesh. Lord, help me to understand. Teach me, Lord. Prepare me, Lord. Because the day of the Lord is near. I think it's Joel who says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. And the day of the Lord is near. It is so near, they are still deciding like Hamlet, to be or not to be. To choose or not to choose. And the day comes and they are gone. Into the tribulation. Into the tribulation. That is the judgment of the Laodicean church. God says repent. You know what will happen? Otherwise I will spew you out of my mouth. If he spews you out of himself. Where do you go into? You go into the tribulation. Told to a church. Not to the world. So the warnings are for us. This is not to scare us. You should be a little scared too. It's good to be scared for the right things. First Peter. 4-7. Let's look, let's, this is Paul. This is Peter. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious. Sober. Isn't that when you are studying, your parents keep telling, be serious. This is not a time to joke. Be serious. Be serious. Be serious. God is saying the same thing as the Father. Be sober. Be serious. And watchful in your prayers. He's not saying pray. Be very careful what you are praying for. Be watchful in your prayers. Sometimes you don't want the answer to your prayers if you know how close the day of the Lord is. How close the day of the Lord is. Be watchful. Hear from the Lord. Hear from the Spirit and pray. So do not be weighed down or carried away by the affairs of this life because deception will come. Revelation 6 verse 1 and 2. I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. 
He who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. He went out to conquering and to conquer. This white house is not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Jesus will come in Revelation 19. He's crowned with many crowns. He was not given a crown. He's crowned with many crowns. He's armed with a sword. A sword like the word comes out of his mouth. This guy has been given power. He's crowned with one crown. He doesn't have a sword because the sword represents the word of God. He has a bow and has been given power to conquer and to conquer. So who is the first white horseman? Is the horseman of deception. And it's coming into the church. It's coming into the church all over for 2,000 years. Deceived people, made them comfortable thinking they have taken Covaxin when you took glucose. Thinking you are saved. Thinking you are going home when you were not. There's an assurance which God gives you where no man has to be in doubt at all. Absolute assurance he gives you while you are living. You never have to fear. And we have to walk in that assurance. So the antidote, the only antidote to snake venom, that is lies. The devil is the original snake. His venom is lies. It is through lies you deceive. The only antidote to lies and deception is what? Truth. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs. See, he has signs. He has power. It happens in churches too. But what is it? Lying wonders. God's wonders are true because he speaks the truth and attests the wonder. The devil speaks the lie and attests the wonder. Therefore, his wonder becomes a lying wonder. So don't go by the wonder. Don't go by the sign. Don't go by the miracle. Go by the doctrine. Is what they say true or not? Does it agree with the word of God? Does it agree with the spirit of God? Does it agree with the teaching of the apostles down the ages? Does it agree or is something new? Something new. Does it agree with the word? Because God says in Psalm 138 verse 2, you don't have to go there. I have magnified my word above all my name. Does it agree? Because people get deceived. People in the world are not deceived. They are blinded. People in the church gets deceived. Gets deceived. Be careful. So the only antidote with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because what? They did not receive the love of thee that they might be saved. The only reason you and I will get deceived is because we did not receive the love of the truth. Let me honestly tell you. Which is the most difficult book to read? The Bible. Have you noticed? Whenever you try to read the Bible, you fall asleep. You get distracted. You can't go beyond a five. Why? You know why? Because we have not received something from God. We have to receive the love of the truth. It's not truth. The love of the truth. Lord, help me to love your truth. And then you realize, this is not a boring book. It's not a boring book. It's a very interesting book. It is like the letter the girl gets from her boyfriend. It's not a boring letter. Unless he's mad with her. Even if he's mad with her, she will sigh a few times and says, there is still hope he will be good tomorrow. So when you read, there are some tough things that your boyfriend says. His name is Jesus. The boyfriend of the church. The bridegroom. But you will say, no, but I know him. <laughs> he will not be angry forever. It's also written. After some time, he will change. We find this boring because we have not received one thing. The love of truth. Therefore, what happens? 
we go into deception. There's nothing else. There's only one thing. Only one thing. The only antidote to lying, which is through a billion channels, formats. One thing, the word. In the pulpit stands for the word. And in your own lives, the word stands for the truth. And verses 3 and 4. Did I give you that? Okay. Okay. And once you are deceived, what happens? There is a disease. There is a symptom. Once you are deceived, fear comes in. Fear comes in. Fear comes in. We'll deal with fear. We'll deal with fear. Okay? Let us go back to Luke 21. We looked with deception. We need to be very assured. God has not destined us for wrath. He's destined us to be with Him. We prepare. We will not go into tribulation. In the twinkling of an eye, if you are still alive at that day, we will go with all of us. We will go together. Just be prepared. Okay? When the last trumpet blows. Now let us look at fear. Luke 21, 9. When you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. Do not be terrified. It's a command. What is it? Take precautions for Corona, COVID. Don't be afraid. Don't be fear. You will die a miserable death sitting in your houses because you are afraid. Don't be afraid. No, we are not being reckless. Just be careful. Just be careful. Don't live under that specter of fear. What kind of a life is that? What kind of a life is that? Live like that. Anyway, everybody will die. It's Christmas only. How long will you live? Death is sure. Verse 25 and 26. There will be signs in the suns and the moon in the stars on the earth. Why? Because the Bible says in Revelation 12, the devil knows his time is very little, so he has come with great wrath. So he's in the second heaven. There will be a lot of commotion in the second heavens and God will also allow it so to warn the people who have eyes and who have ears. Others will look through telescope and make graphs. The people will get prepared. And they will post it on Facebook and YouTube. Oh, supermoon, blood moon. Are you prepared? Did you see what the sign was? Did you understand what the sign is? 24th was the last for 2021. Have you noticed in the last five years, how many blood moons have been there? And almost every blood moon fell on a Jewish holiday. When Israel was formed, 1948, May 14, blood moon. When Israel fought the six-day war, beginning and end, blood moon. What is God speaking? God is speaking to us. Look at Israel and look at the time and get prepared. This is that this generation will not pass until these signs have fulfilled. Which generation is that? The last day's generation. Israel is God's timepiece. What is that? 1948, 2021, 73 years. How much is a generation? 60 years? 70 years? 80 years? This generation will not pass until everything. Because Israel, out of the blue, after 1500 years, came into being in one day. Isaiah prophesies, has a woman given birth in a day, but a nation has been birthed in one day. That is Israel. We are living at the end of end times. Be careful. Do what you have to do, but keep your ear and eye on God. Because that's the only way we prepare ourselves. And perplexity, you know, keep, keep, keep there, keep there, okay? Perplexity, distress of the nations, the sea and the waves roaring. Do you think it's talking about the sea and the waves? No. 
sea and the waves have been roaring from the beginning. So it is not talking about the sea and the waves. We have to interpret scripture with scripture. Revelation 17.1 and Revelation 17.15. One of the angels who had the um, seven bowls came and talked with me saying, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Who is that Babylon, this world system, sitting on many waters? Verse 15. And he said, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. That is what water sees. So there is perplexity in the seas, and the seas are roaring. That's what you see. All around the world, people are upset. There's roaring in the populations. People are all upset. Nobody knows. Everybody, nobody even knows what they are fighting for. But everybody is fighting for something. There is not a single nation which is calm. Just like about to blow up. The virus has changed everything. There is panic in the ranks. God's people should be different. It doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect our future. It doesn't affect our eternity. So we should be different. That's why Jesus says, puts all these things there in perspective. So what should we be? Luke 21 verse 28. The beautiful words the Lord tells us in the middle of it. 21, 28. Luke 21 and verse 28. Lift up your heads. When these things begin to happen. Not when it happened. Begin to happen. Begin to happen. First, after Noah's flood. After Noah's flood, we had the first time something that hit the entire world. The first world war did not touch the entire world. Switzerland was untouched in the middle of it. Second world war was, did not touch most of the world or half the world. But the first time after Noah's world, we have a sign. A pandemic hit the entire world. What did the Bible say? When these things begin to happen, look up. Don't walk like this. Look up. Lift up your heads. Don't go like this, depressed. Lift up your heads. Why? Your redemption draws near. Look at the state of your heart. Are you depressed? Are you discouraged? Are you encouraged? Are you bold? And it's a boldness, true. You can have a false boldness which comes from this bottle. It's also a spirit. That's why all the army guys are given free rations so that they can drink and fight. Deception and fear. Second is fear. Look at fear. John chapter 20 verses 19 and 21. The same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled why? For the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. What did he say? Peace, twice he says. Now listen carefully. This is how you know. That is how we practice. The opposite of fear is not fearlessness. Oh, he's fearless. No, he's afraid of something else. Or when he dies, he will be afraid. He will end up in the wrong place. Then you will know what fear is. Opposite of fear in the kingdom of God is not fearlessness. It is peace. Opposite of fear is peace. That is why it is important to know the truth. The opposite of fear is peace. John 14 verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give it to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So what is the antidote to fear? 
God's peace, not any other peace. Why do people run after money? Because with money they can secure a lot of things in life and bring a certain amount of peace. That's why people run after money, for power, for... It's all basically thinking they can get some kind of peace. But you know, the COVID blew that myth away. When they finally stood outside the hospitals, people lost lives, people lost money. Money couldn't protect them. It knew no distinction of age, of rank. Ministers died. Common people died. Fear, antidote is peace. Yet a child of God can die in peace. And he's not afraid. He's not afraid. Paul says, my departure is near. Stephen said, Lord, do not hold it. Nobody's thinking even about death. They're saying, Lord, don't hold the sin against them. Jesus says, Father, for all are facing death. They're absolutely in peace. The antidote to fear is peace. And it is not the kind of peace we are experiencing in the world. It is the peace of God. Let your heart not be troubled. Do not be afraid of anything. Romans 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It is something we see Holy Spirit gives. It is not of us. You cannot manufacture it. It is held together by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, don't look here and there for the kingdom of God. If you are saved, the kingdom of God is in you. And if it is in you, the peace of God guards. It is there. You, you, you experience You cannot explain it. You experience it. This is not the peace of the world. This is the peace of the restrainer, the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. The prophecy about Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government is upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We don't see on the earth now. We should see in our lives now. How much has the government of Jesus Christ increased in my life? How much has the lordship of Jesus Christ increased in my life? Directly proportional will be your peace. Where his government increases, it increases with peace. Because he is the prince of peace. Among all the rulers, powers and principalities, there is another principality over here in the hearts of God's people. It's the principality of Jesus Christ. And in that principality, he is the prince of peace. It is from the word prince you get the term principality. A domain over which a prince rules is called a principality. He is the prince of peace and of his government. It keeps on increasing. It should increase in us. We were designed for peace. Genesis 1.26 Let us make man, man in our image, in our likeness. What is man? You know what? From eternity to eternity, God always dwells in peace. He's never restless. He never lost his peace. He never scratches his head worrying. No anxiety, no fear, nothing. God is always in peace. The Trinity always dwells in peace. And we were created in his image to dwell in peace. The Garden of Eden was a place of peace. Peace is the normal in the kingdom of God. Not lack of peace. The normal, we are used to lack of peace because that is the world. But the normal is peace. Because God is peace. He's the God of peace. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of peace. And Aden, when it was made, it was a place of peace. There is no fear there. There is no shame there. 
We are called to live that way. John 16, verse 33, the word of God. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Tribulation. You will have trouble in this world. Don't worry about that. We are not talking about being trouble free. We are talking about being stress free. These are two different things. You don't, and you, you and I will never be trouble free as long as we are in this body. But we don't have to be stressed. He says, I give you peace in the midst of these troubles. And it is my peace. And you find that peace only in me. So there is antidote to deception, which is truth. And there is antidote to fear, which is a real peace which God offers. And how do we get this peace? What are the ways you and I access this faith? That is why we preach. Why do we preach? Not to give you entertainment. The purpose of preaching, all preaching is, at the end of preaching, something happens. Faith comes comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. I have to preach from the word of God. I cannot entertain you. I'm not a public speaker. I'm a servant of God. When I preach, I have to preach from the word of God. I have to show you from where I am preaching. Everything that I say has to be attested by the word of God. If so, those who have ears, not this, internal ears, those who hear, faith will generate. And what does faith do? Romans 5.1. What does one of the workings of faith, what does it do? Therefore, having been justified by faith, you put your trust in Jesus, what he has said, what he has done for you, you put your trust in Jesus. And what is the result? We have peace. The only, faith does so many things. By faith, You access the grace of God through which you are saved. By faith, you access the righteousness of God. By faith, you access the peace of God. That is why we need to hear. If people do not have, you find a man or a woman without peace, I will tell them they do not know their word. It is impossible for you to know the word and believe in the word of God and live according to the word of God and not have peace. Then God is a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. But there is only one antidote to fear, it is peace. And peace comes only through one way, it is through faith. By faith, we are right with God and we have peace with God. And it's a peace which the world does not understand. The world cannot understand that because the world has no clue what this peace is. What does the devil do? They will subvert the message. Or seize that, that's why I said the Bible is the most difficult book to read until you break through then it is the easiest book to read. You don't want any other books. You don't want any other programs. You don't want to listen to anything else. Why? Because it gives you peace. Now our brethren in in India, everybody says Shanti, Shalom, Salam Alaikum, and here is peace. Genuine, real. Peace. My peace, I live with you. My peace, I live with you. Not as the world gives. You will have much trouble in this world. Don't worry. I give you peace. How do you access that peace? By faith. You access by faith. Through faith. And where does faith come from? From hearing. Hearing from where? From the word of God. That's the first thing. You access peace by faith. What does faith mean? I said two things in the previous teachings. One, you believe in a person, the person of God. Two, you believe in what the person has said and done. You believe in that. Abraham believed in God. And God said righteous. 
You have to believe. And the devil will try to twist God's words, tell you all kinds of things. Did God really say you cannot touch, eat from any of the trees? God didn't say that. You shall surely not die. God said you shall surely die. I am gay. I am going to heaven. No, God did not say that. I'm sorry, brother. God did not say that. He said, if you are gay, you're practicing gay, lesbian, he says, you're an abomination. You will not enter into the whole list of people's, people who will not go into heaven is given. And you look and say, Lord, am I in this list? Lord, looks like some of these things are there. God says, come to me. I'll clean you. I'll give you victory over it. I'll teach you how to win these things. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Look at the cross. I am for you. I am for you. Second thing, Colossians 3.15. Understand this. Let the peace of God, what? Rule your hearts. What rules my heart? Your heart. What rules your heart? Different things rule our heart. Netflix rules many hearts. Worry rules hearts. Stress rules hearts. Anxiety. Sloth. Sloth, laziness. All kind of things rules heart. But what is supposed to rule our heart? Peace. Let peace of God rule our hearts. Why? Why is so important? The government of Jesus Christ. You know how God deals with us or leads us? He leads us in peace. You look at a situation, everything seems to be right. Everything seems to be right. But deep inside the Holy Spirit doesn't give you peace. He leads you in peace. One of the primary characteristics of being led by the Holy Spirit is when you have to take a decision, a major decision, He will rule your heart with peace. And if you do not have your peace, stop. Even if everything looks alright, stop. I'm not talking about the peace of the world. I'm talking about the peace of the Holy Spirit. Those who have experienced it will know immediately when it goes. I have no peace about this. I have no peace about it. Let the peace of God rule your heart. You, you know what? That is why the devil causes people to sin. Because when you sin, you lose your peace. And if you sin, you do not lose your peace. You do not know God. If you know God, if you sin, you lose your peace. And what comes in? Fear comes in. Shame comes in. The first two responses of Adam and Eve. Where are you, Adam? Heidi. I was afraid. I was ashamed. Have you noticed something in the Bible? Every time, it doesn't matter how great he is, every time, when a man, I'm using the term, gender term, man, man, made a decision when he was afraid, his decision was always wrong. Always wrong. He was not running in the direction of God. He was running in the direction away from God. Adam was afraid. When he heard the footsteps of the Lord in the garden, he ran in the opposite direction. Because fear takes you away from God. That's why the devil brings fear. Because he knows the end result of fear. Abraham, when famine came, was afraid and he did not go towards God. He ran from God into Egypt. Isaac, when fear came in, he told Abimelech, Rebecca is my sister. Jacob was a fearful man. You look at every one of those people, including Moses, including Elijah. When fear came in, they were not running in the direction of God. They were running in the opposite direction. In fear, I will tell you on the word of God, in fear, you will never make a correct decision in life. Ultimately, it will be a disaster. 
That is why God comes and tells us 365 times in the Bible, once for every day, fear not, fear not, fear not. Why? You will make a wrong decision. You will make a wrong decision. And Jesus said, beware of deception, beware of fear. Because you know what? You will end up at the wrong place. And these are the tools. And what is the antidote to fear? The antidote to fear is peace. Peace. You know the incident, we know it so well, two, three anniversaries back, I preached from Mark chapter 4, when Jesus, after his ministry, got into the boat and told the disciples, let us go to the other side. But Jesus was very tired, so he went to the back of the boat, he put his head on a pillow, he went to sleep. When the storm arose, the boat was filling, the disciples panicked. And finally they came and shook him up and says, Lord, don't you care? We are drenched or whatever, okay? Look at his response, Mark 4 and verse 39. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Why could he say peace to the sea and the sea stopped? You know why? Because inside he was absolutely at peace. There was no storm inside. We do not have peace outside. It's because we have no peace inside. The outside is just a reflection of the condition inside. If we have the peace of God guarding our heart, we can speak peace. And it will still. It will be still. For us, at least it will be still. He said, peace. Peace. This is the peace of God. You cannot speak peace into a situation when you have a storm blowing in your hearts and your minds. That is why by faith every day, first thing in the morning, the last thing in the night, we go back to God and have peace with God. So the peace of God rules our hearts. And then whatever happens, it does not terrify us. It does not lock us up so that we will say, you know what? I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I will not shorten your harm, O Lord. I am not afraid because you are with me. The thing is real. Everything going to happen is also real, but thou art with me. I am not hiding in a cave. I am walking through the valley of shadow of death, the specter of death, but I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thou art with me. The peace of God is guarding the psalmist's heart. Therefore, even in distress, he's able to speak to his storm. That's what the Bible is talking about. Think of it, Peter. The Bible says, Herod, the people were, Herod saw the people were uh, pleased when James was executed. So he arrested Peter, put him in prison, so that after the feast was over, he could execute him. The day before execution, Peter is being chained between guards. He's fast asleep. Why? Because the peace of God is guarding his heart, is ruling his heart. So he's spoken to the storm outside. He's still, he's fast asleep. Who will sleep when you're going to be killed tomorrow? Only the one whose heart is captured, controlled by the peace of God. We are talking about real life situations here. Because the world around, people are facing terrible situations. And the people of God should not allow fear to control their lives. Be safe. Do things which are needed. But don't be afraid. Don't let fear control your life. Because once the COVID is gone, your body will be wrecked by other diseases. Your mind will know peace. And before you know, time has gone away and you were controlled by fear and you went down an abyss. Well, God says, live without fear. Live without fear. My peace. I love with you. I give it to you. Why? Why could Oh, look at Paul and Silas, beaten up, stripped, flogged, thrown into prison. What are they doing? Hallelujah, Sudhi Mahima. They're singing, not in Telugu, but in Hebrew. How can you sing? 
You don't even know whether you're going to come out. You don't even know whether you're going to die in this prison. You have no idea about tomorrow. What are you doing? Singing. You know why? Because the peace of God is guarding, is ruling their hearts. Righteousness, peace, and outpouring of joy is always songs. Not Sisa who has dil ho tut gaya. No, they're not singing that. They're singing God is great. Our God is awesome. After getting beaten up. Why? You can get beaten in your body. You can get broken in your body. But your heart is guarded and ruled by the peace of God. That's what God is talking about. And this is real. This is real. And this happens only when you and I learn one step at a time to walk by faith. Walk by faith. Third thing about peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for. In English, nothing means nothing. I don't know what it means in Telugu. Be anxious for nothing. Not anxious for most things. No, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Who said it? Jesus said it. When a king speaks, he is not giving you suggestions. These are called commands. King never gives suggestions and counsel. All his things that comes out of his mouth is commands. He rules by edits. Be anxious for nothing. For the children of God, it is a command. Don't be anxious for nothing. Second, Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made to known. Three things we are asked to do. One, be anxious for nothing. Second, thank God. Three, bring your prayer request to me. And what will God do? The fourth thing. The peace of God which surpasses all. You will not understand it. Everything is haywire in your life. Nothing is doing well in your life. Nothing is going right in your life. But deep inside, you are not moved. You are like Jesus sleeping in the boat. When the storm is tilting the whole boat up and down, you are fast asleep. Not Jonah. That is nervous disorder. The sleep of Jesus, the sleep of Jonah are two different sleeps. Do you see what he's saying? The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. All understanding. What will it do? It will guard your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. What is this peace? This is not your peace. It's not my peace. This is the very peace of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when you have that peace guarding your heart, no weapon on earth or in heaven can pierce that peace. You are absolutely secure. The actual word is it garrisons your heart. Do anything to cause anxiety, worry, stress to cut through it is impossible because this is the very peace of God. The enemy has nothing that he can cut through it. That's why Jesus rises up and looked at them. Why are you afraid? Peace. Peace. This is what God is offering us in troubled times. How to live without fear. One, guard your heart from deception. Second, walk in genuine peace which you access by faith. By faith. By faith we are justified with God. Lord, I walk in your justification. Peace with God. Have peace with God. Second, let the peace of God, Colossians 3.15, rule your heart. Third, you got problems? Be ang- don't be anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Second, with thanksgiving. Third, bring all your prayer requests to God. And what will God do? He, he doesn't say, I will answer your prayer. <laughs> you would say, I will answer your prayer. That's what we will God said, no. You, sometimes you don't need an answer to your prayer. All you need is peace. All you need is peace. You don't need an answer to prayer. Sometimes answers come and you have no peace. You are in pieces. God says, what do you want? Pieces or peace? The peace of God. The peace of God. Okay. Peace of God. 
I'll give you a tidbit from the next message whenever I preach. How do a lot of young people, older people also sometimes, remember Titus will look, everybody has to be taught. Older men has to be told, older women has to be taught, older younger men has to be taught, younger. Everybody has to be taught in the church because we think we know, we don't know. Even I don't know. Every time I read the Bible, it's a surprise. We all think we know. The fact is that we don't know. We are like Isaac Newton, standing beside the ocean and he says, after all these years of acquiring scientific knowledge, it's like a bucket of water from the ocean. All the pastors at the end of their life will say, all I know about God is not even a bucket, it's like a glass from the ocean. And we are very satisfied with our knowledge, that's the problem. So I will give you a tidbit, tidbit meaning a simple way, simple way to do. And I will teach you next time. Second Peter, I gave you that. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By which, okay, God has given us, that is verse 3, God has given everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything we need for this life to his children he has already given. How? By which having given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given his word. In the word there are promises, positive promises and negative promises. Both are there. If you do this, this is what happened to you. That is negative promise. That's a promise from God. He told Israel, you break my law, this is what I will do you. I will scatter to you to the end. That's a promise. Guaranteed. By partaking of these promises, what happens? You, you, by you, these promises, you partake of the divine nature. Let me explain to you in simple things. Think about anything you struggle with as a child of God. Anything. Just name me one. Don't be so righteous and give me, give me anything. It doesn't matter how dirty it sounds. Tell me. Huh? Distraction. Okay. Something else. Okay. Honest. That's what men struggle with. Do you know how you overcome it? You go to the word of God. If you are a young person or an older person, you go to the word of God and read everything promised what happens if you indulge in it. You will be very sober. (laughs) Meditate upon that. You see, I'll tell you a simple secret how to do your devotions in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, you do your devotion. Everybody does your devotion. Do your devotions and after that is what is important. Not the devotion. After that. What is that? Even everybody wakes up, you wake up with a set of troubles in your mind. Right? Go to the word of God and look through the word of God what it says about those troubles. Meditate on it. That's how you overcome. That is how the promises are there. Lord, I am lusting. Lord, I am watching today. I am not going to school and I am going to watch this. Read what happens to you. Read it for five days. It will just disappear. Oh, your problem is overeating. Go. Read in the Bible. Find out. I will give you a list of all your troubles and all the promises, assurances from God connected with that. Read it. Meditate on it. You will be cold, sober. Because this is sanctified word of God saying that you do this, you continue. This is where you will end up in. You will be absolutely sober. You won't take the word of God lightly. That is how you fight it. That is what I said. Dog, dog. Think dog. Think dog. Think dog. No. Think cat. Think cat. Think cat. Think cat. Is anybody thinking go dog now? No. Think lust. Think lust. Think lust. Now. Burn in hellfire. Burn in hellfire. Burn in hellfire. Nobody is thinking lust now. 
that are the promises of God by which you escape the lust of this world. Go back, meditate upon these things. You want to make money? The Bible talks about money. You have a problem with distraction? The Bible talks about it. You have a problem with sloth? The Bible talks what happens to the slothful. You're talking with sorcery? The Bible talks about what happens with sorcery. You are struggling with anger? The Bible talks about what happens to people who walk in wrath. You take about any issue in the Bible. It gives you both the positive and the negative promises. According to your trouble, meditate. You will get out of it. You will walk by faith. That's what you do. This book is not a joke. This is life. This is the book for overcomers. This is the overcomers manual. That's what David says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin against you. Deal according. Everybody's problems are not the same. Each one struggles with a different thing. And go to the word of God. Study the word of God. Write down those promises which pertain to your trouble. Meditate upon that day. That day. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Go to and say, talks about. And finally, if nothing solves, go to Revelation 21 and verse 6. The first set of people who go to hell are the fearful. And that will sober you. If nothing else will. If the comforting ones doesn't sober you, that will sober you. Oh, lying is okay. It's a white lie. Go back and read Revelation 21 6. Liars are going straight down to hell. All liars. Not some liars. All liars. Deal with these issues. How do you deal it? To the promises of God. It's a promise. Pakka. And suddenly you sober up. And you know what? Your mind is straight. And you overcome. That is just an aside. I will teach you another day. So we looked at three. Let's look at one more. Ephesians 6.15. And then maybe we shall have lunch. Did I give you Pastor Vijay? Ephesians 6? No. Ephesians 6, 15. Fourth one. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is on your feet? You see, the gospel and the peace goes together. The gospel is the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? You can have peace with God. What man did not have, you can have with God through Jesus Christ. By what he did, what he has said. His work, his life. His death, his resurrection, you can have peace with God. So gospel is the peace of God. First thing is written, shod your feet with what? Shoes. With the gospel of peace. Now why do I change shoes when I come over here? It's because my feet hurts. These shoes are for protection, not for fancy. What is the primary? I I know people wear shoes for different reasons. What is the primary purpose of shoes? It's protection. Do you see? Which is the part of the body that touches the world? Your feet. The gospel protects you. First purpose of the gospel, it gives you peace. You have the peace of God protecting you. When you are going in to the world, the peace, you are not of the world, but I have sent you into the world. When you go, how should you go? Your feet needs protection. When they came to God, what did Moses and Joshua hear? Take off your shoes for you are standing on hallowed ground. Because the shoes brought the world there. But now we are different. We are going into the world. They had come from the world. You are going into the world. How should you go? With your feet protected with the peace of God. It's my protection. The peace of God. And when you go, what should you say? Jesus told his disciples, my peace. Peace. 
He said, if there is a man of peace over there, it will stay on him. If it is not there, it will come back. So easy. You think witnessing is very easy. Go to your office and just look at person. I want to share with this person. Peace. It comes back to you. Don't share. It's not worth your time. They won't receive it. They won't receive it. It will come back to you. God will show you who you can speak to and who you don't have to speak to. There are many people who will not receive. So don't waste your time and energy and resources on them. These are practical things which God has talked about. He says, peace. If there is a man of peace, it will stay on him. If it does not, it will come back to you. Your feet? Move from that place. You don't have to get into any conflict. No arguments, nothing. God is very practical. <laughs> People who won't receive the peace, they are going with the hammer of peace. and we, oh, They said, just get away from get lost. I don't want to hear about you, your God, nothing. Leave them alone. God knows how to bring them in if they come in. Some people have to be broken into thousand pieces before they will get in, like the prodigal son. Here they have to come to their senses. And he's sitting in the pig pie. It's not a problem, he's not sitting in the pig pen. The owner won't even give him the pig pot which was meant for the pigs. He won't even feed him that. He has to come down to that level. Then he comes to his senses. Then he gets up. Then he prepares his speech and he goes home. And finds the father never changed. Second thing. It's our witness. It's our witness. It's our witness. You know what he's talking about? Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What does it mean? When you now, everybody is working online. Class online, work online. I, I don't know. Can you eat food online? No, no. You can order. No. <laughs> Everything is online now. But when finally you start going in, you will notice something. There's always tension everybody. Everybody has problems. In the midst of it, your witness is your peace. Your witness is your peace. Everybody has problems. You also have problems. Everybody got corona. Your family also got. Maybe your family also people died. But your reaction is different. Your peace is your witness. You see, when you go drive through the desert, it's all sand, 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 sand. In the middle of it, there will be an oasis with a few palm trees and all green. You and I are called to be islands of peace. Peace is our witness. Peace is our witness. Not anger, not wrath, not stress, not anxiety, not fear. That is not a witness. That's the world. In the world stressed out. In the world full of pleasure. In the world full of lust. In the world full of temptation. In the world full of wrath. There are islands of peace. Peace is our witness. Look at Acts 16 and verse 25 or 35. Right? At the midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were? They were listening. You think they understood? These guys are Hebrews. And this is Philippi, a Roman city. But that was not the point. The point was that their peace, out of which came their joy, out of which came their singing, was their witness. The peace was their witness. Everybody is grumbling, groaning, angry, wrath. And two guys are singing. Two guys are singing. And that's their witness. They don't have to preach a gospel. They are the gospel. They are the gospel. What does the jailer come and say? He falls on his feet and says, Lord, tell me what should I be deceived? Did they preach? No. Because they were shod with the gospel of peace. The very demeanor was a demeanor of peace. Peace. Sometimes, you know, in your classrooms, in your workplaces, you don't have to open your mouth. 
You are the witness without opening your mouth. Because peace is a witness. Are you a person of peace? Do you take peace everywhere you go? Ask God. Ask God. Isaiah 6, Isaiah uh, first Peter, I gave you first Peter. I want to look at this, okay? This is not, this, of course, it's talking about this specifically in the case of a home where a believing woman has an unbelieving husband or a husband who doesn't listen to the word. But look at it as a principle. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. What is it saying? Your husband doesn't believe. He's not interested in church. He's not interested in anything. And you don't even have to open your mouth. You convict him because you have peace. Your peace in the midst of his wrath. Your peace in the midst of his drunkenness. Your peace in the midst of his anxiety. Your peace in the midst of his stress is your witness. And without a word, you win him over. Because you know what? It's not about he, After some time, he says, you know what? I want your peace. And he says, believe in my God. The God of peace. Your peace is your witness. That is why we cannot be stressed out in our homes. We cannot be stressed out in our classrooms. We cannot be stressed out in our workplaces. We are no witness. With your feet shod with the gospel of peace. That is why the Roman centurion, centurion at the bottom of the cross believed. He looked at Jesus and he said, you know what? Truly this is the son of God. Because he had never seen a man. He has crucified so many people. He had never seen a man in peace. Crucified among two criminals. Hanging there in agony. Minutes away from death. Absolutely full of peace. Peace is our witness. Peace is our witness. We access peace through faith. Peace rules our heart. And peace guards our heart. When we do what God tells it guards, the devil cannot break through that peace. Ask Daniel in the lion's den. Ask Daniel's three friends in the fire. Where they moved, they were not moved. Because the peace of God is guarding their hearts. And peace becomes our witness. And Isaiah 60 and verse 2 says, When darkness, behold, darkness shall cover the earth. Deep darkness over the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. What do you mean, his glory? Everybody will have a bulb burning on top of their heads? No. When people are stressed out, people are stressed out. Or people are crazy. You don't have to do what the people does. Unlike on last Sunday, Saturday night it was lifted. Sunday, Tangwon was flooded. Not with water, with people. No mass, no nothing. Everybody on the street, strangers. And you ask anybody, everybody is saying we are vaccinated. As if they are vaccinated. No mass, nothing. That is being careless and that is being reckless. And that's what I keep telling you. You don't have to go to public places. What do you have to go there for? Come to church. Nothing will happen here. Not on my watch. One thing I ask God and ask my pastors to pray, not on our watch. No one will die. If they are reckless, they die. But otherwise, no one will die on our watch because we are protected. We have the blood. If the blood could take Israel through ten plagues and the tenth plague, if a simple crimson ribbon could stop the earthquake on her walls, how much more the blood of the Lamb? We will not fear. We will not fear. We will not fear. Not on our watch. Unless it's of the natural causes. That's a different thing. You don't have to be afraid. Do what you have to do. But trust God. Believe God. And be guarded by peace. And if you have lost someone, don't be afraid. If that person knew the Lord, it's gone to a better place. You are grieving. The person is not grieving. He's absolutely happy to be with Jesus. 
Because we need peace. Let me tell you, peace is the normal, not fear. Righteousness is the normal, not sin. Joy is the normal, not depression. Final one. If we follow this, what will God do? Romans 16, 20. And, what is it called there? God of peace, what will he do? Will crush Satan under your feet. He will crush Satan under your feet. The devil won't be anywhere around you. He will be under your feet. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions. They shall by no means harm you. But if you want, if you want, authority, exercise authority over the enemy, it's only one way. It's the God of peace who gives it to you. Because that fellow is a God of fear. And our God is a God of peace. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. And then you know what? We don't fear capture. Because we are excited about rapture. Because we are not destined for wrath. See, the battle is in the mind. You win here, you will win outside. Before the storm was stilled outside, Jesus had already had stilled every storm in his mind. And let me tell you, as I come to the close, God understands. He understands. Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and 15. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet we thought he was tempted. See, temptation is not a sin. Giving into temptation is a sin. Jesus was tempted at all. Everything he was tempted. Is he a sinner? No. He was tempted with fear too. You read the Luke account of 22 in Garden of Gethsemane. Scripture says he agonized. The actual meaning, he was terrorized. Spirit of fear with all its fury. None of us have ever gone through. With all its fury came upon Jesus. You know what he said? An angel had to come to actually strengthen him. And do you know what he said? Not my will, but your will be done. So when you and I are afraid, he understands. He knows what fear is. But he overcame fear for our sake to do the will of the Father so that we could be saved. He over he understands. He understands. Because he understands, what does he tell us? Verse 16? Yeah. Being in agony. That agony actually means fear. It's okay, the terror of it. Seeing that? Yeah, verse 16. Come boldly, confidently to the throne room of grace so that we may receive what? Mercy and grace. So God says, you know, I understand you. You're afraid. I understand. I understand. It's a real fear out there. But you come to me. You come to me. Receive mercy. Receive grace. And Luke 1, 2. Sorry. 1 Timothy 1, 2. 2 Timothy 1, 2. Look at all that. It's all connected. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. Grace, mercy, and peace. They go together. (laughs) Come boldly. Receive mercy and grace for every need. Lord, my need is I am a very fearful person. He says, receive peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. Who is written to? A fearful boy called Timothy. Very fearful. Second Timothy, one, two. To Timothy, beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace. Or if you want to look at Titus 1, 4. You see the order? Sometimes scripture is like math. Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, 
mercy and peace. To Timothy, Titus, if Titus is fearful, sorry, Timothy is fearful. Titus is not fearful at all. He's a troubleshooter. Wherever a church has trouble, he will send Titus. But to both what is God said, you may face a situation where even your boldness may not be enough. So you know what you need? Grace, mercy and peace. Peace of God will guard your heart. The last two verses and we will close. Okay, last two verses. Second Timothy, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 14. What did Jesus do? In as much as children have partaken of the flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Many he became like us. That through death he may destroy him. Who? The devil. Who had the power of death. That is the devil. And release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Let me ask you this question. Simple question. If corona does not kill, will you be afraid? If you get corona and get a nice itch on your back, will you be afraid? Why is he afraid? Because of the mortality. Right? Because of the, and because anything can be a symptom of it, we became afraid of every symptom. But if there is not, before corona came, nobody was afraid of cold or coughing or sneezing or irritation in the throat or breathing. Nobody was afraid of anything. But when corona came and corona saw the mortality rate, people became. So what is the fear basically about? It is the fear of what did Jesus do? He conquered death. So they don't fear. Look at little children. I gave that example. Get the little children, five-year-old children, everybody who has never seen a snake. And show them, make a nice video and show them uh, a video for five days a week. Show them. Every time a snake comes, you get a chocolate. You know what? They will not fear snake. They will wish to see a snake so they will get a chocolate. Because you have fooled them. It is not truth. It is deception. God doesn't deceive you. When he says, death has been overcome, death has been overcome. And what is fear all connected to? Every fear is connected to death. Last words, the most powerful words, one of the most powerful words that Jesus spoke. Listen to this. To Mary, to Martha. John 11. John 11, verses 25 and 26. I want to end with that rhetorical question which Jesus asked. 24. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This Stunning statement. This is a classic statement. If you believe in me, you will not die. And that's what I believe. I will not die. In a twinkling of an eye, when I die, I'm on the other side with him. Therefore, we do not fear death. Absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, if you are a child of God, you cannot be killed. Cannot be killed. You cannot die. Therefore, we do not fear. We are careful. I'm not talking about being reckless. We are careful. Because we have a purpose. We have a plan. We want to fulfill. We don't want to be the best guy in the world and die early like Josiah. The best guy. And Jeremiah has to write all those lamentations because he went ahead and died before his time. And he was a super blue-eyed boy of God. But he died before his time because he was reckless. So I'm not talking about being reckless. I'm talking about fulfilling our purpose. And because we have a purpose, you need to know your purpose. And we have a plan and we have God with us. You shall not die before your time.
I shall not die before my time. And even if I die, I don't die. Therefore, I do not fear. You know how many times they tried to kill Jesus? They couldn't kill him. Even on the cross, they couldn't kill him. He said, I lay down my life, I pick it up. And you should say the same thing. If Christ lives in me, I lay down my life and I'll pick it up on the other side. Your faith should be real. Now, how do you know your faith is real? It is the peace that passes understanding in every situation. That is the key. That is the key. That's how you know you are saved. That's how you know you are saved. You have a peace. And you cannot understand. When your peace is moved, it is not of outward circumstances. It should be only because of an inward. Because you offended your father, the peace is shaken. You go back to God through Jesus. You confess the blood of Jesus, cleanses you all, unrighteous peace is restored. The only way, the only way your peace should be disturbed is because something was wrong in the relationship, not because of anything that is outside. Jesus is agonizing. Jesus is shedding blood. You know why? Because he asked one thing outside his father's will. Let this cup pass away. Father said, no. And then he said, not my will, your will be done. Again he went, though he knew. Lord, please. Father said, no. Again he went third time. Then he said, okay. That's why he agonized. That is the only way. That's a good thing. That's a good loss of peace. Otherwise you will sin and walk in peace. You will go to hell. When you sin, your pain, sin should be your your peace should be disturbed. Otherwise, outward things, our peace guards us. So, do not be deceived. Do not fear. Antidote to fear is peace, not fearlessness. Peace, peace. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. I speak your peace into the hearts of your children. So many people going through so many situations, Lord. There could be somebody who lost a loved one. There could be somebody who's gone through a broken relationship. There could be somebody waiting for a job and has no job. There could be somebody, Lord, with a sickness in the body. We are, as sparks goes up, as Job said, so is man brought, born to trouble. And you yourself said, you will have much trouble in this world. But he said, do not be afraid. Because you have left your peace with us. And I pray, Lord, we will learn to walk in that peace. In that peace. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. We'll fight this good fight. We'll guard that peace. And that peace will guard us. We guard our peace with you. And your peace will guard us from every storm that is blowing outside. That's your word. That a man lying in the Roman prison could write to others. That the peace of God is guarding his heart. That he's rejoicing in the Lord. That he can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens him. It was real peace. A peace the world does not understand. And I come against every power of oppression. Every spirit of oppression, every spirit of fear, every spirit of anxiety and stress, I command it to leave the body of Christ in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I pray your people will replace it with the peace of God. 
they will replace it with the word of God. That they truly, truly, we will be anxious for nothing. But with thanksgiving every day, we will make our request known to you. And you will guard our heart. And our peace will be our witness. When darkness covers the earth, deep darkness covers on the earth, we will be that people of peace. Whether we are out in the public or whether we are in prison, they will watch us. They will listen to us because we exude your peace. I speak that peace once again over your people. Bless your people, heal your people, guard your people, Lord. We will not be shaken. We shall not be moved because we know we are not appointed for wrath. Thank you, thank you, Lord, thank you. We just want to bless you. Bless your holy name, Lord. Bless your holy name. And we want to declare to you, Lord, the kingdom, the power, and the glory is yours and yours forever. Thank you, Lord. We ask all this in the precious and matchless name for Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. 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 May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and Amen.